0: Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Margaret Michael.
1: And I'm Grayson Willis. Thank you for joining us today. And today we're joined by Jason Wagner. Jason, how are you doing today? Doing
0: great. Good. Uh, We have this little thing that we do. Sometimes we ask a question. It's just really an easy question. Just to start out, what kind of ice cream do you like?
2: Oh, there's so many. I like all the ice cream. (laughs) But the one I have, I think Oreo would be...
0: Very good. That is... That is a very good one. I like that, too. Grayson, however, you want to share?
1: Vanilla without the Oreo. Yeah. That would be, it's always the vanilla for Grayson. Vanilla, okay. <laughs> Nothing wrong with vanilla. Yeah,
0: Grayson. Grayson's not going to have a family's I've accepted who
1: I am. Uh, I, I love to pick one. The
2: Lord loves you as you are. That's uh, right.
1: Well, Jason, if you uh, would just start out telling us about where you're from and about how you grew up. Okay, I am from Penn Laird,
2: Virginia, so I'm local. Go Blazers! Yeah, go Blazers. East, uh, yeah. I grew up. I grew up east of Harrisonburg on Robin Road, and I grew up. Well, I did split my time between here and Stanton. So I grew up in a broken home. My dad's in Stanton, Virginia. I spent every other weekend with my dad, but primarily I was in Pen Laird, and yeah, I went to Keeslton Elementary, Montevideo Middle, and Spotswood High, and yeah, that's. And I grew up pretty normal. Uh, except for the broken home thing, which was normal to me at that time. Of course, I didn't know anything else.
0: Yeah. So did you have siblings?
2: Yes. So I have three half-sisters. My mother and stepfather had two daughters, Amber and Brandy. And then my dad and his second wife, uh, my stepmother, uh, had a daughter, Megan. So three okay. half-sisters.
3: Very good. Yeah.
0: I know two of them.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Great girls. They are. So did you grow up, like, was church a part of your growing up?
2: So I was in church a little bit in my life, uh, but I would say that my upbringing didn't have a strong presence of yeah. God's word or prayer or, yeah, real formation in the faith. Right. There's an, I guess the word is nominal. Yeah. It's a nominal yeah. Christian life. So yeah, there was, God was distant. Right. Um, he was out there, but wasn't really interested in right. what was going on.
0: Mm-hmm. So was there anyone in particular that took you? Do you remember that?
2: I have memories. Well, we did go to a church for a little while. My stepdad, my mom and I, and I think Amber was around at that time. Amber and Brandy were both there. They were very young. So we went to a church for a couple of years. I never really connected deeply right. there. Yeah, It was an awkward time in life. I was a teenager. I didn't really uh. just get in my bearings. And being a teenager is hard. So I, I never really fused with the faith in that time my grandfather would take me when I was really young and all I remember from that was the chewing gum he would give me <laughs> which was a big red so mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that cinnamon gum and also my stepmother which she's no longer my stepmother um, my dad's second wife her parents were very religious in a kind of smothery kind of way yeah. which was also uh, deterring yeah <laughs> Yeah. at my young age and all the I grew up between like rock concerts and like some religiosity and so I was kind of pulled in a lot of different directions yeah. so there was no real clear I had no clear path I had to figure it out on my own
0: yeah what did that look like figuring it out on your own
2: it got pretty bad uh by the time I was 15 and 16 my life took a hard turn mm. toward uh Drug use. I became very distant from my family. There was a lot of pain in my family. There were different th- events that happened mm-hmm. that really destabilized my family. And I felt it, but I wasn't aware of what was going on, but it was, it affected me. Yeah. Um, my mother went into some depression after her, the death of her mother. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, and then I also in high school lost my bearings when I didn't make the basketball team. There were just things that didn't happen that allowed me to just go off track. I didn't have friends. I didn't have peers that were healthy. And I ended up attaching myself to a lot of bad company and I became bad company eventually. (laughs) So probably, but yeah, by the time I was 17, I was sort of kicked out of the house uh, and I was living on couches and I was using a lot of, drugs and I was in a lot of depression. So I used more drugs and then I would feel better and then feel worse and better and Mm -hmm. do that whole cycle. And I was afraid. I was confused. Identity was a big thing for me growing up. I didn't feel secure. Mm -hmm. And that could have been a connection to just having a broken home and not really feeling any grounding in any one family unit. I was moved around a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, Every Christmas was like four different families, and always just trying to fit in. But I just didn't know who I was. Yeah. So that I think a lot of my confusion and pain came from that, just trying to find myself. Yeah. And yeah, it was uh, it was a dark time. Yeah. I ended up in very dark places. I, I I remember I guess I was eighteen. I was living in a trailer out in the county, and it was freezing cold. I I was with people who didn't really like me, and I didn't really like them. But we were all just messed up and the cat actually was named Satan. There was this black cat. Like I was basically in the pits. Yeah, right. <laughs> Like and, and that was that was where I was living. I was just living in, in a lot of fear, anxiety. Um, I couldn't. Yeah, I, I didn't know who to turn to. Yeah, that
0: how'd was... you come? How'd you come out of that? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that, yeah. I'm,
2: I'm obviously not there now. Praise God. Uh, there was uh, a few things that happened. Uh, I got in a car wreck. And I hit my head on the windshield, which maybe knocked some sense into me. <laughs> but I, I called my stepdad crying, just like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm lost. I just got in a car wreck. It just triggered this you know, desire to just reach out. So that was actually at the end of that driveway of that sketchy house I lived in was a sharp turn, and I just pulled right in front of a truck, and he macked me and spun me around a few times, and that stopped me. I, I had to hit the wall sometimes. Yeah. So I ended up going back to my parents' house, sleeping on their floor for a while. And I got a job doing kitchen work. And my path started to just veer back into connecting with my family. I started to realize I needed to get sober, which wasn't easy for me. I still had a lot of social anxiety, a lot of insecurity. And the people I hung around were just partying. So I I, didn't, I still ended up partying for a long time. The big turn for me was when I did come to faith. And it took time. I had a few Christians appear on my radar, but... It never took, you know. I, I had one. There was one morning, so I started to started to really reach out. Something started to happen internally. Mm-hmm. I could see God's fingerprints even before the gospel was even shared with me. There, there just became an openness in my life and a hunger, and and I could see some of the pains in my life and these lacks in my life, and I knew they were there. They were very strong. I I knew I needed something deeper than what I was looking at for, and I, I knew it was out there. You know, I did believe in God in yeah. some way. I'm the creation. I've always been a person who's loved to be outside, loved to, to breathe fresh air and watch sunrises. So one morning I was watching a sunrise, actually, at EMU Hill, and uh, I met this guy up there, and he said, you want to come with us? We're going to have a prayer meeting. So he brought me along to this prayer meeting. They were actually using EMU. His church was using EMU campus during the summer, to have a retreat. So that the whole church was there, just tons of people from all over. Uh, I can't remember the name of the congregation. Yeah, what denomination it was. It didn't matter. They shared the gospel with me. They like tricked me into eating dinner with them and hanging out and uh shared the gospel with me. And I just didn't he like this guy really he put his finger like right on my heart and he said, "Look, Jesus died for you." And it was just like hitting deaf ears, you know. I was like, "Okay. Thanks. See ya." You know. Yeah. Just what off. <laughs> But I knew I wanted something. I was hungry. So the hunger was kind of driving my search at that point. It was kind of raw. I didn't know that this Jesus was the thing I was hungering for this man, this savior, the Lord. Around that time as well, I was living in a real crazy party house, actually. I live with these DJs, they were like loud music, lots of partying. And just so happened, I got a cat and it got fleas and it got everyone was getting bit by fleas and they kicked me out of the house. <laughs>
1: God has a strange way of working. I ended up
2: living by myself. And that was a good thing because I just needed to be off to myself. So I ended up living downtown in the Kiesel building. I walked everywhere. I didn't have a car. I got in a car wreck when I was 21. I decided not to drive anymore. So I walked everywhere. I just walked. And people knew me from, hey, you're the guy that walks everywhere because they just see me around. Well, I started to run into this gentleman, Matt Cross, who at that time, I don't know what he was doing. But he, I mean, I'm only 21 at this time. So he's my age. So he's 21. He's going to Potter's House Worship Center. He's just been saved by the Lord really on fire to share the gospel. Well, he keeps running into me. There was one time at Walmart, he like tries to approach me. I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, Matt. He wants to share the gospel with me. I didn't have time. Second time he saw me, he was driving and I was walking, of course, and he passed me and he drove past and the Lord was saying, pick him up. And he he tells me, this is later, in hindsight, he told me this part of the, uh, the story. He said that he ignored the voice of the Lord and he like broke down crying later on. He was feeling this conviction, like the Lord wants me to share with Jason. And I just, left him on the side of the road. So months later, I don't know when, it was September of 2001, and there was a group of people sharing the gospel downtown. And I happened to be downtown waiting for a ride to go clubbing in D.C. This is all very random. So I'm downtown. I'm sitting on uh, one of the stone walls there Mm -hmm. around the courthouse, and Matt comes up, and he's out sharing the gospel with his church. They're on the street. And I happen to be around a group of people who are, getting the gospel shared with them, and they're running. Like, they're just getting out of there. <laughs> <This person. laughs> yeah, they didn't want to hear. It's a young group of people. They were downtown a lot at that time. They were just kind of idle teens. You know? Yes. Um, but I sat there and listened to Matt. He put his arm around me, and he said, say. So how how the word of God permeates the heart is such a fascinating thing. It's like when you finally realize what it is that Jesus did for you and who he is to you. When that seed finally hits its mark. Um, and it was that moment. I mean, i it's like a moment in time that I knew yeah. his love. And I can't even remember really what Matt said. It was something to the effect that believe He loves you, you know. You can be born again. You can have a new life. He's given it to you. And I was like, I'll pray with you. Sure, let's pray. I want that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it was as simple and as primitive as, yeah, I want that. Mm-hmm. I really do. I want life. Yeah, I'm tired. I feel death no death. I had felt really dead inside my whole life. And I had felt a want, like a hunger for love my whole life. And it was really apparent in that moment that I was lacking. and Jesus was the thing I was lacking. Yeah. So we prayed. And uh, Matt's a charismatic guy, so he like grabbed my head and prayed over me. <laughs> and yeah. it, it hit me. Like yeah. the Spirit of God, the resurrection power of Jesus Amen. hit my dead, stone-cold heart and woke me up. And I was alive. Why I knew I was alive. Them? I was like, what? You love me? It was just that simple. Like, I love you. That's what I, and it, the only thing I could think is like, I'm finally okay. I'm going to be okay. Mm. <laughs> like that's such a simple phrase, but I had never felt okay mm. with who I was, with the world. I felt so unsettled for so long. So yeah, he healed me there. Yeah, And I began to experience his love and It was like I had a song to sing. (laughs) I literally became a worshiper at that moment. Wow. I wanted nothing else but Jesus. Yeah, it's just, to say it now, it's still true. (laughs) Yeah. I can tell. That's all I want. Yes,
3: amen. Powerful. He's so good.
2: And yeah, so my whole life had to change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it wasn't even like it was just like I want to do everything so that I can share this with everyone I know. I want to live out of it so fully. I wanted to just soak my life. I want to be a conduit of this life and love that I know in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. He's so lovely. Yeah, <laughs> there's no one else who loves me like him. So I, uh, <laughs> I just had to start turning. I. Lost a lot of friends. Quit my job at the restaurant I was working at because I could no longer fit in. It was just a matter of, like, I needed to change my whole orientation. And Jesus had to cut things off of me. Like, by his mercy, I had to die to certain attitudes and certain mindsets and certain ways of speaking to myself and to others and thinking and seeing and looking around. I I had to reassess My life and the word of God just began to be my bread in that Mm -hmm. process. And I got with other believers and began to pray and confess my sin and be ministered to and minister to others. It was just this whole re emerging, yeah, submerging my life into Jesus' life. Mm -hmm. And it's still happening. I mean, I'm still doing that. Uh, It's not a one time, one off thing.
3: It's
0: not a one and done. (laughs)
2: No, no, no. You don't say a little prayer and then go off and uh, live the rest of your life like nothing happened. So that was very apparent to me. I had lived my life fully and all out as a druggie and and as a partier, and now I was going to do my life all out for Jesus. And, uh, yeah, it's been the
3: best thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I know
1: that. (sighs) Uh, So uh, after quitting your job at the restaurant, after having a new life in Christ and wanting to live all out for him, what did that lead to? What next?
2: Well, I started to serve first thing I did, I was doing this prior to my conversion, but it was a part of it, was I was uh, working at a soup kitchen. So I just started to serve those around me and love them. Just started to reach out to people who I could could identify with them. I, I knew they needed presence. They needed love. They needed God's heart. And so I worked at a Monday soup kitchen for years, a decade, just serving and cooking food with people. Bringing joy, just smiling over people and just, just being thankful that they're present. And we're talking about people who are homeless, addicted, on the fringe. Uh, this was the little grill soup kitchen at that time. Now it's at the, our community place. That That was where I really began to serve God. And then immediately I moved in with a Christian brother and was just living. I needed to be uh, with people who would help me understand who were further along mm-hmm. and could help me see. It was an inter- interesting house. They called our house the monastery because we were like two single men and we were taking in people. We we would take homeless people into our house. Yeah, some of the most joyful times during that period was having these big meals and then just inviting whoever we could, you mm-hmm. know, just going around the neighborhood. We lived on Kelly Street. Uh, there's a lot going on there. and We would just invite people over, have meals outside. I was a cook, so I could make a lot of food.
1: So, yeah, that was
2: the beginning of of learning to minister, learning to create spaces uh, for people to be connected and to care for them, to share Jesus' love.
0: There's something, it's amazing. When you've had that, the love of Jesus compels you Mm -hmm. and you find yourself desiring to serve those Mm -hmm. and love those that you were on the other side of the table, right? Like, And that's beautiful. Um, And that has continued um, in your life, I'm pretty sure. I remember, um, what, like, I knew who your mom was, like, over the years, like the ball fields and all that. And I remember her coming in here one day to um, sell Aflac. And she and I sat down and started talking. You're one of the first things she talked to me about that day because you were just, you know at OCP, oh. and um, they'd been down there. They'd heard you preach, okay. and, um,
3: yeah.
0: so. you know, it's beautiful just to think back on that and yeah. just to think about the, the amount of ministry that happened yeah. um, there. And I think even, did a Celebrate Recovery Group start out of?
2: There was, yeah, the one that's now at the Asbury Methodist okay. was there for uh, a time. I can't yeah. remember how long. It was in conjunction with a farm. I was a part of a ministry that was out in Newmarket, we had a farm and men would come there off the street who were struggling with addiction. Mm-hmm. So I was a part of that ministry for, for about six years. Okay. So that was all, that was another step into going deeper into ministry, mm-hmm. opening up my life more to, to being a healing presence in the community. Yeah. Um, that was very difficult though. I'm sure <laughs> I learned, I, I got a lot of a lot of scars from trying to minister in hard places. Mm. Uh, it's not, it's not all, uh, Victories. <laughs> it's not
0: for the faint of heart. No, no, of- <laughs> no. Yeah, and
2: there's a perseverance there, and the Lord has kept, yeah, kept me and all that. I've mm-hmm. been thankful. And I was probably idealistic mm. and a little, a little naive. Yeah, maybe more than a little. Yeah.
0: But you you learn things that have become a part of who you are, and so the farm and
2: yeah, and then well, yeah, I went to seminary. Uh, I ended up going. I felt like the Lord was leading me to go to seminary. I was like, okay, here's someone who barely graduated high school. Uh, I don't know how I graduated. I don't remember my last year of high school, so that's how bad I was. Um, Yeah, it was really sad. sad, That was a sad time. So I I ended up somehow sliding in and going to Eastern Mennonite Seminary, uh, which was, yeah, that was a challenge too, just learning to read and there was a professor there who really was uh, someone I, a man of deep faith, and someone I wanted to learn from. So, Doctor Mark Thiessen nation really uh, an amazing brother. So he took me under his wing. I took all his classes that I could. He's just a solid believer, um, converted in a similar way, just in a revival. Mm. Uh, and so he he was my mentor in that time, and I graduated. I got a master's degree, which is so ridiculous uh, because I don't have an undergrad but this is something that seminaries allow people to do Mm -hmm. is uh is to get a degree even without because ministry people can come to ministry at all kinds of different times Mm -hmm. so instead of sending them to undergrad they just let you get a degree so yeah I have an MDiv but that opened the door to me really God wanted to open this door which is I'm now the chaplain at the jail Mm -hmm. in Rockingham Harrisonburg. Area, so the Rockingham Regional Jail is my site of ministry now. So now I get to share a testimony with these brothers and sisters. At times, I don't meet with the women very often. There's a woman's chaplain that mm-hmm. comes in, but the yeah, there's an amazing opportunity there. God really opened a, a beautiful door to to meet men who were like myself. Yeah. I mean, really, I was. I understand what it means to be insecure, to be broken, and the wounds that are present in the jail are. are they resonate with mine. Uh, yeah. A lack of identity, a lack of purpose, a lack of direction. Uh, when you come out of foster care, you know a lot of these men I minister to aged out of foster care. Mm. You know, that's, that has to be very hard.
1: Yeah.
2: Uh, at least I knew, or at least I had that. I had a lot compared to, to many of the men I meet in the jail. So I, I know they're facing real deep challenges.
1: And what year did you start that? And tell us a little bit what that experience has been like being a chaplain to these men in the Rockingham County Jail. Yeah, so I've I've been doing it for
2: five years, somewhere around there now. I'm not very good with time; it gets away. Um, what's it like? Well, right. Well, I won't talk about COVID. Let's just not talk about that. <laughs> I'll talk about pre-COVID. Uh, there's Bible studies. There's Sunday worship at the jail. There's Meeting one on one meetings, so there's basically you're the pastor of the men in the jail who need mentor Yeah, ministering to. Uh, it's been amazing. I I baptized forty some men uh, my first two years. Led many men to Christ. Had many amazing just one on one times where the Lord would just be speaking. Yeah, it, it's such an honored position to just be where the Lord is breaking in and speaking to someone and ministering to someone. I just, even though I'm a part of it, I feel like it's his work that I get to witness it and just try to quietly be there and add my part. <laughs> Whatever he wants me to do in that situation. So listening for someone's heart to be turning to the Lord and, and, and just inviting them into prayer or inviting them into confession or inviting them into hearing the word of God and receiving the truth in their lives where there were lies and deceptions, uh, there's just uh, it's it's just such a privileged place, um, and I learned I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot about who Jesus is, even even now, uh, seeing him minister to these men.
0: So, just to give um, those that are listening a, a little bit of background of how you came to be the chaplain, like mm-hmm. maybe someone would want to support you today right. in, in the work. Right. It's always. <laughs> Welcomed, right?
2: Yeah, well, I, yeah, self promotion is, I try to, I'm not, this is about this, Jesus, so it's, right, right, But yeah, if you want to know about how I got to where I was, yeah, I'd, I'm happy to share. Uh, yeah, I work through Virginia Mennonite Missions, uh, a mission agency in this area. They have stateside workers. Mm-hmm. So I am a stateside missionary sent to the jail. That means I am funded through. Uh, there, Well, I raise funds, and I have an account with Virginia Mennonite Night Missions, and they pay me like a livable wage mm-hmm. to go in and do this as a living. I, it's, uh, it's the work I get to do here. And uh, that started through the chaplains who were volunteering there. They saw the opportunity. Uh, ben Risser and Jason Gerlock, who were volunteer chaplains for a decade, uh, met with Captain Shortell, who was the former captain. Now it's a Captain Weimer. But they met with him, they created the position, and somehow my name got put in the hat. So I, I did, yeah, it was created before I actually stepped into it. Wow. So God kind of opened that door yeah. and I stepped through it.
0: Yeah, That's amazing. And I, I think in a day where we hear so much that's not right happening in our world, and just to know that we have a missionary in the jail. Like, that's powerful and it's encouraging. And just to hear uh, the stories of how... God is using you to, just to be there. Um, you said earlier about being a conduit. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like sometimes you're just, you're there, but God is just speaking right to, um, just like he does when we open our hearts and turn towards him. That's powerful. Um, just, uh, I've heard um, Pastor Carey probably say in the past that um, our job um, is to take, the hand of God and the hand of the person, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, and be that minister of reconciliation. And um, and every person that we come in contact with is one person away from God, right? And just to know that you have that privilege of being there with those folks and bringing the gospel.
2: I kind of... Pinch myself sometimes that it's the work I get to do is to share Jesus,
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, and not that I—it's all believers are called to this privileged right. work. Right. So, the fact that I get to do it full time, right, and it's—it's it's, uh, that's a privilege and an honor. And then all believers are called to wherever they are with whomever they are, are they have that same purpose? It's the big one. It's the big purpose it of life, right? One. It's uh, we all have these. Medial tasks that we do throughout our lives, but yeah, to witness to Christ yeah. is the ultimate. It's yeah. the ultimate uh, yeah. joy, yeah. and it's the life giving. It's it gives life to give Him. Right. Know, you know, right. We get our faith gets strengthened, our hearts get uh, encouraged as we right. just share Him every in many ways, not just in word, but in deed. But often, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah.
0: It it amazes me just going back for a second to Court Square, and just the fact that. Matt you know he knew he missed you once right yeah, and yeah. God set up another opportunity yeah and
2: man. yeah that is amazing
0: it, I think for us today it's just it's encouraging yeah. God is such a god of second chances and yeah. when we fail um that first time he'll bring it around again right you know right. give oh. us opportunity amen
2: amen yeah and I think that that Matt's heart I just I love Matt because he's such a Uh, when I first came to Christ, I would just go around with him and he would just share with people. And it was kind of awkward for me at first, you know, like, wow, this guy just shares the gospel with whoever, but he just doesn't want to miss that opportunity. And Mm. that's such a a beautiful thing. It certainly is. I I give it, yeah. I've always looked at him as someone I want to emulate. And if he wouldn't have shared with me, where would I be? Right. I don't know. I, who would I be without Christ I would be very I'd be very broken uh, my life would be in a dark place
0: mm-hmm. and you have um a family
3: oh yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah a beautiful family yeah God is so when I turn yeah I how can I express this redemptive thread you know to become a husband and to become a father was such a redemptive piece mm-hmm. of my life it, it uh You know, when you, yeah, I grew up, I kind of had doubts about my capacity in that area. I didn't, I just had a lot of doubts about it. And I didn't know if I would meet anyone who would marry me. (laughs) And uh, I ended up meeting someone who would. uh, And she's so lovely and kind and faithful and full of the spirit. And she, yeah, we have four children together. They're all very young. Uh, Zachary, Joshua, Bethany, and Timothy. And we are just... Yeah, we've had a great journey together. And, yeah, a decade of marriage now. So praise yeah, God say, praise for a decade or yeah. two or three or four more. That's right. 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 That's right.
1: Yeah. right. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you for joining us today yeah. uh, on Hope Talks, and uh, we appreciate you sharing your testimony with us. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. We pray that as you've heard Jason Wagner's testimony, that it's been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless.
2: Yeah, I wrote... I don't know when I wrote this one. I think it's uh, appropriate. Yeah, it's about coming to the Lord. All you weary,
3: come find your rest. There's a refuge here in Jesus. Lay down your head And all of you mourners Lift up your eyes Come receive the promise Death cannot deny Jesus is Lord, heaven and earth proclaim, Lord of all join the song. The heavens are declaring, come sing along. all of over us Lord Jesus proclamation. Jesus is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord. Heaven and earth proclaim. Lord of all. King of King of kings.